So let's say I'm a doctor and I've had that mindset shift. I'm now kind of finished paying my debt. I'm shifting now to, okay, I want to maximize this business so I can have that $10 million at the end, right? Let's say that I'm that doctor. I come to you. I say, okay, what should I be doing? So we take a little bit of a holistic approach to this. So if that's your question, I'm, I'm going to come back to you with the, with the following question. Is your goal to have 10 million? And if your goal is to be have 10 million, is this the only asset we're talking about? Or are there other assets? Most often there's other assets. You can be the greatest physician in the world. We can maximize everything. At, when it's all said and done, you're not going to trade at the Apple multiples or the technology multiples. You can trade at 2X, right? You can, you can be 100% better than everybody else in the industry. At the end of the day, for a doctor, it's not going to be a game changer for you. You have to be thinking about other mechanisms to drive value in your life. Are you interested in learning more about owning your own portfolio cash flowing rentals? If so, we invite you to take our free mini course, the Crash Course in Cash Flowing Rentals. When you take our mini course, you'll learn the strategies we use to build our portfolio. You'll also get to see several of our students featured who have successfully built their own portfolios as well. To take our crash course, link to semiretiredmd.com forward slash mini course, M-I-N-I dash C-O-U-R-S-E, or visit our website at semiretiredmd.com and link to the crash course on cash flowing rentals there. You may also want to join a wait list for our introductory course, Zero to Freedom Through Cash Flowing Rentals, while you're at our website too. We'll see you there. This episode is sponsored by our brand new course called Fast Fire Bookkeeping for Real Estate Investors. Do you have a pile of receipts and a bunch of statements that are stacking up in your office and the pile isn't getting any smaller? Are your rental properties getting you closer to financial freedom? Do you even know how your properties are performing? Well, the answer to your problem is doing your books the right way. And that's what our course is about. We'll teach you how to set up your books the right way, not just for tax time, but also so you can unlock the insights that will help you maximize your cash flow. For more information or to sign up, go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash fast fire bookkeeping. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. We are so excited today because we actually have my friend and mastermind partner, Chris Young, joining us. And I asked Chris to be here because in one of our masterminds, he was talking about how he helps physicians who are oftentimes taken advantage of when they're trying to sell their businesses or think about value their businesses, their medical offices, for example. And I really, when I heard that, I was like, oh, we have to have him on here to help our physician listeners and dentists and other entrepreneurs really think through valuation and exit strategy. And Chris is an expert in that. So welcome, Chris. Could you tell us a little bit about your business? Yeah, well, one, thanks for having me. I'm very happy to be here and share our or share my knowledge with you. Uh, my business is uh, called Red Maple Economics. We are in uh, Northeast in New Jersey, New York area. And we focus on valuing stuff. Okay, so we value anything. 
but we primarily focus on value in businesses. And we focus on helping entrepreneurs particularly understand the value of their business. And more importantly, how can we help them understand how to increase that value? Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, it's one thing understanding at this point in time, this is what I'm worth. But what I care more about, especially with physicians, is what can we do to help you think through what the value of your business can be in X years? And what can we do now to do that? What can we put in place? What's the plan look like? And so I get excited about that. I get excited working with physicians just because for the most part, every one of them are virtuous people who have nothing but great intentions to help the world. And I think for our firm, it's a little bit about giving back. How can we help docs? And you know, when they, when they decide at some point in the future, they want to get out of this business and retire, how can we help them make sure that they have the magical life they deserve? So this is really an episode that's applicable to people who own their own medical practices, who are looking to buy medical practices, who are looking to sell their medical practices. And then I think we're going to really cover also how to how to add value to your business. And of course, we think about this all the time with real estate. We're always buying properties that are not performing very well and trying to add value. So I'm really excited because I know we're going to talk about all those little steps to do. Yeah, and I wanted to also say that Chris does more than just medical offices. You know, he does businesses as well. But yeah, we thought that it would be really cool to talk about medical office, and then you can apply all those concepts to other businesses as well. So, but with that, I think yeah, let's let's dive in. Yeah. So, Chris, number one, how do you think through value? Let's say you're looking at a physician or a dentist's office. What are the things that a dentist should identify, for example, that are value in their office? Yeah. So there's a, a couple of things. And it, let's use dental offices for a second. Dental offices, more so than any other medical office, has a substantial amount of what we call uh, goodwill associated with the dentist. You know, dentists tend to, you know, be very, with their patients, it's, it's a very one-to-one relationship. Mm-hmm. We almost never, some, sometimes we do, but we almost never see a lot of value associated with a dental brand. Normally, it's I'm going to go see Dr. So-and-so. That by itself is is wonderful because people associate with the doctor, but it's not so great when you want to exit. Because when you want to exit, a buyer wants to buy a brand and they want to make sure that the patients are going to stick around. So when I think about value, the first is the goodwill of the doctors versus the goodwill of the brand. I want to I want to help doctors figure out if if obviously it all comes down to their own preferences but if a doctor really wants to maximize value when they leave we have to think through what does a plan look like to maximize brand value and diminish individual personal value. That's going to be very important. So that's number 1. I think the second is how can we make sure that the business is generating the proper cash flow it's supposed to do? Right. So in my world, cash is king. Now that might sound very postmodern, very ugly, right? Does it all the cash time? Cash is <laughs> king. Okay. And when, when we talk about cash being king, I'm going to come in or my staff is going to come into your business and we're going to look through all of the processes and we're going to make sure that you're doing everything you possibly can to maximize that cash flow. Because that's what I'm buying. At the end of the day, you're a nice doctor and I love you to death, but I'm buying your cash flow. 
And so you have to show me that your cash flow is going to stay. I don't know if you know this, something, something I read a research study recently, 75% of dentist patients leave the dental practice after it's sold. Mm. So that's why they sell at such low multiples. Right. So if I'm going, if, if I'm going to buy a dental practice, I have to make sure that it's better than that. And so that's where brand comes in. And so that's a very important conversation to have. Some doctors say, you know, Chris, I really don't, don't really care about that. And that's okay. But if you're thinking that you want to maximize the value of this asset that you put your entire life into, then we'll help you transition that brand or transition that personal goodwill to brand goodwill. Now, we talked earlier about internal versus external uh, exit strategies for a, a physician office. Can you kind of explain what that is to our listeners? Yes, yes. Internal is a wonderful opportunity for physicians. And an internal exit strategy is you're going to sell your business to somebody on your staff. Maybe it's one person, maybe it's a pool of doctors, but you're going to sell internally. I don't want to say, I just don't have the statistics, but so many of the deals or the transactions that we're working on are internal, right? So uh, I'm going to set, I'm going to bring on a, a group of docs. I'm going to bring on a doc. And over a period of time, I'm going to transition my clients to that doctor so that there's a, an easy handoff. But even there, I mean, on an internal, internal perspective, you're still not getting the value I would like people to get, right? So I would love for doctors to have the opportunity to sell their practice in a competitive auction or a competitive bid to the highest seller. We're just not there yet with doctor practices. It'll happen. It's just not there yet. Why do you say we're not there yet? I just don't think there's doctors have, again, for a whole host of reasons, doctors normally have a mindset focused on healthcare. I'm going to provide healthcare and I go to school and I'm going to do the right thing and I'm going to take care of people. And I don't think that there's enough of a shift from doctors focusing on healthcare to doctors focusing on their own well-being and maximizing value of their practice. And, and, I, th- I, and I think that's a mindset issue. I think in medical school, and I've you know, been spending time uh, working with some medical school students, we're focused on, what are they focused on? We're focused on the healthcare. Yeah. You're not focused on how do I run a practice? You're not focused on how do I sell a practice? You're not focused on how do I increase my wealth? Which quite frankly is really missing because you know, when you put in all of this time and effort and you dedicate your life to, to a cause and to a practice, you should be able to get something on the back end of that which is more than just saying, I did really well for society. I think you should have a nice, big, fat bank account, personally. We do too. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you said uh, you work with medical offices, various medical offices, physician, dentist. What's the typical profile of these offices? Are they kind of big practices, 20, 30 physicians? Are they smaller ones? So normally, I work with practices less than, let's say, 10, uh, 10, 10 physicians, 10 dentists. That said, I have helped, I have represented a couple of hospitals in the past where they were buying uh, they were buying up practices. Years ago, I actually started my career in healthcare just doing that. Working this is now we're talking going back a ways, but in the '90s, I focused all of my attention on helping hospitals. Uh, late '90s, very late '90s, helping hospitals buy practices. So I've worked on both sides, helping doctors maximize value to sell, and I've also worked with hospitals trying to figure out how they can get 
doctors practice at the lowest possible price. So I've seen both sides of the the equation. Yeah, I mean, the reason why I asked that with the uh, you know smaller practices because I think that a lot of the physicians and dentists are probably in that situation. They have the smaller sure. practice, not the not necessarily the big practice, and the ones that are in the smaller practices are probably the ones who are thinking about these issues or eventually maybe thinking about these issues. So, sure. can you talk about kind of the typical profile of that smaller practice? Um, you were talking earlier about you know that the amount of cash that a small medical office might generate may not necessarily be enough to kind of sustain them or set them up really nicely for retirement. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I I tend to work with our docs on, normally docs come out of medical school, strapped with lots of debt. They try to pay down that debt as much as they possibly can. If they're in their own practice office, they're not only paying their debt, they're trying to build their their, uh, patient base up. And so it's not till mid forties till they start putting away money. Right. So, you know, average, average doctor, U.S., this is according to BLS, Bureau of Labor Statistics, $200,000. If if at the age of 40 years old, I'm making $200,000, I put away 10% of that into some retirement. I retire at 60. I have a little over a million dollars in the bank. Not a lot. Right. So I'm always focused on how can we help doctors maximize their exit? Right, so if, if you put away ten percent of your income and you and you retire with a million to a million, one point five million dollars, I'm sorry, that's just not good enough. That's not good enough for people who dedicated their life to service. If if that's not three times that, I'm a little upset. Right, so I think doctors at the minimum should have five, six, or ten million dollars in the bank. And so your question was, you know, what are some of those challenges? I think the first challenge is they don't have enough opportunity to put away money. I think part of that has to do with they're not focused on business because I don't have to tell you, you guys know more than, than, than anyone. The regulatory challenges, the increased education, the high cost for insurance, you put all of that together, that creates a really challenging environment for a doc to put away money for themselves, to make sure that they're thinking about because they just don't have the time to think about it. Think about an exit at the time they're 60 years old, if that's how long they want to work for. Not to mention, maybe they want to have a magical life and retire at 40 or do something at a, at a younger age. That's just not in the cards at the moment, unless, unless there's a mindset shift. And I think you, you, you both are working on shifting that mindset, which is brilliant. But I think that that has to happen really early for some of these stocks. So we talked specifically about cash flow already as a way to maximize the value of your business. What are some other ways that docs who own their own practices right now could be maximizing that value so that when they go to sell, they end up with five to six million, ideally? Yeah, yeah. So let's just look at the value of a practice. So if I were to look at dental practices over the last 20 years, Dental practices sell at about 1.03 to 1.5 times sales, which is patient revenue. Majority of them are at the lower end of that spectrum. So if I'm doing you know, $2 million, which doesn't happen for one doc, but if I was billing $2 million, that means I'm going to walk away with $2 million. We know that that's not going to happen. Maybe a doc's going to bill half a million, maybe three quarters of a million. And so let's just go with that. Let's just say it's a single doctor's office. They're billing three quarters of a million dollars. They're going to retire with $750,000. After they pay their, their, their taxes on that, they're going to walk away with $600,000, dollars What a shame. 
Like that's a, that's a, that's an that's an incredibly bad outcome. If I look at general GPs, just general family docs, their businesses are going to trade slightly slightly lower than that. So you know they're going to walk away with the same amount of income. So we have to think about a couple of things. How can we maximize sales? How can we maximize profits? Well, unless you're you have a mindset change that you want to build. You said earlier, building an empire. If you, if you don't have a mindset change that you want to build something that's going to add value, you're going to be a wonderful doctor and you're probably going to provide incredible services, but you're going to exit with no value. So if we're going to think about value, we have to write that down on a piece of paper. We have to say, okay, in order to get to 5 million, I have to have $5 million in billables. What does that look like? How many docs do I need? 500,000 in billables, I'm going to need about four to five doctors at maybe six doctors, right? So that's number one. Number two is how do I maximize cash flow from that? And what does that look like? But, you know, now we're, now we're really putting in our, our true entrepreneurial mindset. How do I minimize costs, right? So it's, it's, it's the blocking and tackling. How do I make sure that I have a dental, pra- dental practice, doctor practice, or, or medical office that is minimizing costs, maximizing billables? How do I have somebody on staff that is just absolutely brilliant in billing the right codes and collecting on time? Because we, we work with so many people that they throw their hands up and they say, no, I can't, I can't worry about it anymore. I'm going to build it. I'm going to build the insurance company. Whatever comes in, comes in. What an incredibly bad place to be in healthcare when that's where, where we, where we go. And so you know, there's lots of variables, Lacey, lots of variables that we have to think about, but I would reverse engineer that conversation. Where do you want to end up? Okay, now let's figure out what does your revenue have to be? What does your profits have to be in order to hit that number? What, what about the multiple? Like, you know, you talked about, it sounded like the assumption was like, you're going to get that 1x multiple. What if you wanted to maximize that, get up on the 1.5 or even 2x multiple? How does somebody do that? Because that, that to me seems yes. more efficient. <laughs> yeah, it is more efficient. But there's two two levers, right? How can I get, become more efficient while at the same time, you know, what what variables do I have to pull in order to hit my numbers? So so yes, I can become more profitable. So let's assume for a second a dental office throws off 10% profits. About 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 what it normally is. But can I get to the 20%? How can I get to the 20%? Well, maybe I have open shares. Maybe um maybe I don't have my entire location, you know, being utilized. Maybe I can figure out a way to generate a little bit of that extra juice. Maybe there's another way I can offer a new service. We're working with dental practices or uh, providing a fair, a fair amount of now just cash generating businesses, uh, either Botox or you know, some other sort of plastic surgery type of service. And that's, that's, that's juicing the profits. So you have, again, it has to come down to what can I do not too dissimilar to you guys when it comes to real estate. How can I take a practice? What can I add to the practice that is going to give me more return? Right At the end of the day, it's all basic blocking and tackling, but it's the same idea. And if I, if I look at a pool, if I'm a buyer and I look at a pool of doctor, dental practices or medical offices, and the average is 10% return, and you give me a 20% or 30% return, your practice is going to sell for more. If your business is growing faster than everybody else, your practice is going to sell for more, right? So the two variables we talk about in valuation, growth, sales growth, profit growth, profits or cash flow, and risk. 
right? So those are your three variables, growth and risk. Business is growing really fast. Great. Lots of profits. Great. Now we have to talk about the third variable, which is risk. What's the risk associated with those cash flows in the future? And what can we do to minimize that risk? Mm. Can you talk about some of those uh, risks? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that. Sure. <laughs> sure. So, so what are some of the risks? Some of the risks are I have a practice and my practice has five docs. Let's just say. What's the risk of one of those docs walking out the door? What's the risk of that one of those docs opening up next door? What's the risk that if I buy this practice, the entire patient base doesn't walk out the door, right? And, and, and with respect to dental practices. What's the risk of being in an area where many dentists or other physicians are going to enter the area, right? I was talking with a doc who's in, in the Brooklyn area and Brooklyn is gentrifying. And so it was an older doctor that was servicing and had tremendous number of the, the citizens who were leaving. And there were new docs coming in, new uh, group of people moving in, and his business for the most part went away, hmm. right? Because you know, it was a risk, a risk of gentrifying. And that, that dramatically changed the landscape for this doc. So all of those types of risks would come into, into being. So from the real estate perspective, actually, this comes in too, because we think a lot about our students, some of our students own their own medical practices and they're buying the office buildings. And you can imagine if you bought a large office building and you staffed it, you had other offices in it and you put in different providers that were not competing with you, right? Now mm -hmm. you've kind of built yourself almost a, a moat in a yeah. way, yeah. rather than just being one person in some giant building that a dentist or a, a doctor can move next door. Yeah. Very cool. This episode is sponsored by our upcoming virtual conference called the Fast Fire to Freedom Summit, running August 17th through the 20th, 2021. Are you curious about investing in real estate, but aren't sure if it's the right fit for you? Join us and other trailblazing physician investors and their spouses for a four-day deep dive into their experiences building their real estate portfolios. You'll hear from them about how investing in real estate, specifically cash flowing rentals, has accelerated their journeys to fire and to freedom. See the link in the show notes for additional details. We'll see you there. This week's podcast is sponsored by our course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals. Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals is a 10-week online course focused on helping physicians and high-income earners go from knowing little to nothing about real estate investing to confidently buying the cashflowing rentals that will allow them to achieve financial freedom and work in medicine or their day jobs on their own terms. Our course is only open to registration twice a year, so be sure to get on the waitlist at semiretiredmd.com and check out the course details on our course landing page. Yeah, I love this conversation because uh, there's so many tie-ins with, well, first of all, you're just talking about business in general, right? You're talking about sources of value. What levers can you pull, right, to maximize mm -hmm. that value? And, you know, we think about that with real estate as well. We always talk about hidden value uh, and tapping into that hidden value. But I think, like you said, it's a mindset. Most people, when they buy a rental property, like my parents, actually, they bought it and they just sat back and did nothing with it, right? Mm -hmm. They weren't thinking the question, how can I maximize value here? How can yeah. I increase the cash flow and actually 
when you increase the cash flow for a rental property, you actually force the appreciation. You're not betting on appreciation. You're actually raising the value of that rental property, just like you're raising a value of a business. So right. it's a really cool kind of tie-in with everything you're saying. It's like, it's, these are basic fundamental principles, but, but as you said, you got to turn that switch on to start thinking about it. Uh, yeah. And if you don't start thinking about it, you're not going to figure it out. Right. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. too is the other thing, right? right increasing right. Yeah. income, decreasing expenses. Increasing profit. Yep. One thing too, we should talk about are market forces, mm. which are really important because this is more of a macro view. Everything we've been talking about is more of a micro view, internally focused. What can I do? Every now and then though, there's, there's macro determinants that can hinder a business. And so there's a, a professor at Harvard, uh, Michael Porter, who is a brilliant, brilliant strategist. And he wrote a paper years ago. It's old now, but nonetheless, it's still valuable. It's called Porter's Five Forces. I don't know if you ever heard of it, mm-hmm. but you know, Porter's Five Forces, he says, if all of these five forces are in your favor, you're going to have above average long-term profits, right? So when you look at companies such as Apple, why is Apple so profitable? Because Apple has the five forces in their favor. Why does a local beautician or a barbershop not make a lot of profits? Because the five forces are against them. And so you have to, at least that's what the idea is. So you have to ask yourself, what are the five forces? And this has probably less to do with medical offices and just business in general. But take one of the five forces, number of clients. Right? So if I have a business and my business is growing rapidly, but I only have one or two clients, let's just say you know, I service the government and it's one big contract, that is an extremely risky business. Mm-hmm. The forces are against me. Why, why is that? Because think about when I'm renegotiating contracts or I'm trying to service these, these folks and they say, you know what? We don't want to pay you that anymore. And we know that you're we're your biggest customer because that always gets out. So we don't, we're, not, we're not looking to pay. We want to cut, cut what we're paying. Wow, that just dramatically changed my bottom line. Right? So one of the forces is what is the concentration of your client base? For a physician's practice, could be what's the concentration of the insurance carrier you have? Right? Are you, is it all Blue Cross Blue Shield? Is it all something else? So you want to have a diversification of those things. Better still, what about your vendors? Now, again, a little bit different in medical practices, but if, if you're making something, do you have one vendor that's providing you all the products or services that you need? And if so, that, that, that vendor is going to have a lot of control over you. So you want to make sure that you minimize the control of vendors. And so, you know, most people don't know this, but uh, Steve Jobs, brilliant, right? He said, I want to make the Apple products. After he came back, he said, I'm going to make the Apple products with 100% products that I can buy off the shelf, mm-hmm. right? So remember, I don't know if you remember back when he was around, he said, we're not going to use any Adobe products or we're not going to use any flash products. And it was a real, it was a real game changer because why was he doing this? He did not want to be held accountable to any one vendor. And so what he did is he said, nope, I want to buy everything off the shelf. I could buy plastic off the shelf. I could buy, you know, lithium over here. I could buy this over here put it together. His intellectual property was how he assembled stuff that he could buy off the shelf. And so that's the second of the Porter's five forces. Now I'm not going to go through all of them, but in Porter's five forces, and the same thing for docs, if we can figure out how to get a medical office 
to maximize the five forces, then to your question, Kenji, how can we get the highest value? Get the highest value, we'll get above average profits if those five forces are in our favor. Mm, got it. Okay. And and I'm assuming that's what you, you come in there and you kind of determine what that multiple should be. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But but more so, we come in and, and try to figure out how do we get you to where you want to be, mm. right? So how can I get you to a 1.5 or a 2x or you know, every now and then you're the, you know, you're the unicorn. How can I get you to three X, mm-hmm. which happens from time to time. There's a, there's a, a deal that's in the database. Now it was sold at seven X because the doctor was working on some intellectual property and some interesting things and was writing and publishing a lot. So there was a tremendous amount of brand associated with that. Mm. So let's say I'm a doctor and I've had that mindset shift. I'm now kind of finished paying my dad. I'm, I'm going to shift from Patient care. Of course, I'm going to still do patient care, but I'm shifting now to, okay, I want to maximize this business so I can have that $10 million at the end, right? Let's say that I'm that doctor. I come to you. I say, okay, can you help me think through this, right? I got another 15 years of clinical practice in me. What should I be doing? Yeah. So we take a little bit of a holistic approach to this. So if that's your question, I'm, I'm going to come back to you with the, with the following question. Is your goal to have 10 million? And if your goal is to be have 10 million, is this the only asset we're talking about? Or are there other assets? Mm. Most often there's other assets. Okay. So you can be the greatest physician in the world. We can maximize everything. At, when it's all said and done, you're not going to trade at the Apple multiples or the technology multiples. You can trade at 2X, right? You can, you can be 100% better than everybody else in the industry. At the end of the day, for a doctor, it's not going to be a game changer for you. You have to be thinking about other mechanisms to drive value in your life. And so, yes, we'll come in and we're going to help you on that side, but I'm going to refer you to other people such as you, you guys, <laughs> to, to somebody else to figure out what can we do with the cash flow that your business is generating. Because, you know, dentists and dentists more so than anybody. When a dentist has, by the way, a dentist trades at one times sales or probably two and a half to three times profit, right? Two and a half to three times profit. Some of them trade at two times profit. I just worked on a case in uh, Oklahoma, two times profit. Well, that means that business is generating a lot of cash and you're not going to be compensated for it. Mm-hmm. Even if we double it and you get to four or five times, it's still not going to be a game changer for you. Oh. We have to figure out a way early in the doc's life, what they can do with that extra cash to get them to that five or $10 million value. And maybe it's real estate, right? Maybe it's a cash balance plan, which I use because I love them to that. I just take as much money as I can, shield it before the IRS, take that 10, take all that money, put it into real estate. And now I get a double whammy. I get the cash balance gain. Plus I put it into real estate. You're looking at probably a 20% return every year. So those are the things that I think we should also be talking about for docs on exit. Yes, value of your business will help you with that. Value of your life. And the cash flows that your business has been generating over the past number of years, we bring in folks like you to to help solve those problems. Yeah, I think this is a really good point is if you have your own medical office and that medical office building can be such a source to get you to that, you know, 5x Mm. multiple, because if you can force appreciation in the building and harvest some of the tax benefits, we've we've talked to some CPAs that there's some real associated tax benefits with if you have a building with multiple tenants and 
you can get your real estate professional status potentially if you're doing a lot of hours with your tenants or even potentially be able to shelter some of your income from your business with your building's bonus depreciation losses. So there's a lot of tax opportunities for saving with your building. And when you combine that commercial real estate space plus what you're bringing with your business, now you have that opportunity to really get that multiple up through that combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm working with a doctor right now and I was talking about the cash balance plan and I'm not a cash balance plan expert, but they're shielding about $150,000 a year tax-free and they're taking that money and they're putting it into a whole bunch of different types of assets. One of the assets is real estate. Mm-hmm. So on the, on the, on the front end, they're saving 25 to 30% in taxes. And then they're putting it into some type of leveraged product where they're going to get 12%, 13% or more. You guys do the math. That's a substantial return. If a doctor is thinking about that from the time they're 40 to the time they retire, we're not talking about a $1.5 million retirement anymore. This is this is a real retirement. But we have to think early. This, this isn't just a let's value the business, maximize value. Let's let's maximize how you're using all of your assets and all of your money holistically. This actually also brings up, you know, the cash flow quadrant in Robert Kiyosaki's book. Well, in a lot of his books, he mentions the cash flow quadrant, right? There's the employee. But if you own your own medical practice, you're now the business owner. And if it's just you, then you're that really that business operator for all extensive purposes. Now we've talked about leverage, which is hiring more people to work under you in your practice. So now you're the business owner. And then you take that earning from your business and put it and you become an investor too. So now you have your feet in potentially two to three parts of the cash flow quadrant. Mm-hmm. So you're making a lot more money by that combination. Mindsets. 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 Mindset <laughs> <laughs> well, along those lines, I think uh, we, you know, we ask all of our uh, guests the same two questions. And the first one is, uh, what is your definition of rich? Rich, my definition comes down to meaning. So, so, so there's wealth, which is part of being rich, and then there's meaning, which is being part of rich. So uh, I'm a Viktor Frankl. I love Viktor Frankl. I love everything he has to say. For me, meaning comes through struggling for something I care about. So I'm not a doc. I mean, I'm a doc in a sense I have a PhD, but I'm not a physician. I care about research. Right. So I, so for me, I get meaning from my research, you know, outside of what we're talking about. So that makes me rich. The more research that I can do, the more excited I get, the more that I can help people, the more excited I get. So for me, that's one part of being rich. The second part of rich for me is having enough wealth so that I can do whatever I want to do outside of just my research. So if I want to get up and travel, if I want to get up and go to Hawaii, if I want to get up and go somewhere uh, and experience life, that's exciting to me. Somebody asked me a, a similar question a few weeks ago. They said, when you're, when you're about ready to die and go up to the pearly gates, how do you know that yet you had a good life or that you had a rich life? And I said, you know what? If my shoulders are totally worn out and my knees are worn out and my ankles are worn out and I look like I'm battered and beaten up, that's probably a good sign because I've lived life to the fullest. <laughs> awesome. That's great. And then what is one strategy? habit or mindset that separates someone who is rich versus someone who is poor? Yeah, without question, in my mind, it's uh, routine. Mm -hmm. So, you know, routine for me is getting up at four o'clock every day 
and putting in those two or three hours before anybody else gets their head off of the pillow, thinking about how I can make money, how I can maximize value, setting up my day so it's effective. For me, that's been a game changer. Hmm. How long have you been doing that for? Since I'm 18. <laughs> wow. That's Amazing. Awesome. Amazing. Yeah. How do you stick to it? You know, I, I like you guys, uh, when I had young kids, it was a little harder. But, uh, you know, my kids are now a little bit older, off to high school and college. So uh, probably for the past 10 years, I got back to that, that mindset. So to give you just my, my routine, I get up at anywhere between 3 and 4.30. And first thing I do is I meditate or pray or do mindfulness training. Second is I journal. Third, I go to the gym. Four, I come home, I read for two hours, and then I get ready to start the day. And I've been doing that since, you know, since I'm 18 years old. Wow. Incredible. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for coming in. Yeah, thank you. I so appreciate how much you care about physicians and helping them really help them think differently, but then also creating that wealth as well. So, so important to physicians who don't get that business training in med school. Yeah. I appreciate it. Th- thank you guys for having me. And uh, same, same back to you. Thanks for all the work you do helping docs, you know, live a meaningful life. So I appreciate it. So Chris, can you tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you for the people who want to reach out? Sure, sure. Um, you can reach me at theredmaplegroup.com. So like the tree, theredmaplegroup.com. Or you can reach me at chris at theredmaplegroup.com. Love to chat. However, I can help you. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> thank you so right. much. Thank you. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.